You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. So much, man. I love this Mike and Amy. You guys are amazing. And um, I, if, you, if we haven't met, like Mike said, my name is Pete. I've served, and I think just about every area of this church except kids ministry um, for good reason. You know, I've got my own children. I love them, but uh, I don't think I've got an anointing to love yours. I'm sorry. I love them. Well, I love them from a distance. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Kind of, kind of kidding. Just a little bit kidding. Maybe, maybe not kidding at all. Well, um, I want to share with you a message this morning called Working Through Winter. Working Through Winter. And it's been on my heart and God's been percolating it probably for two years. Um, since since we left this place, this wonderful place, I was just saying to Mike, I feel like I've come to the family home. You know, as, a, as an adult, when you go back to your family home, you're not allowed to live there because it's way too comfortable. Um, you actually have to do your own washing and you have to do your own cooking and you have to do all of that yourself because you're an adult. But when you go home, you've got mum there and she cooks for you, she, you know, does all those things. And uh, so that's kind of what I feel like coming back here. It's really, it's an awesome feeling and it's so great to be with you. But Sarah and I, we've got uh, two boys, and we've got one additional boy on the way. Uh, in fact, yeah, you can cheer that. That's awesome. Uh, in fact, we've got a photo up here of us. Um, there we go. Look at that. Kids look so angelic when they're not moving. Boys just look great when they're like, you know, like just in a still frame. But they, they, were, they were tearing around before, but, um, which was fun. But uh, so we're about to go into the newborn stage again for the third time. And I've been trying to remember what it's like. I've been trying to remember how to cope in the lack of sleep, how to cope uh, when you've just got, you know, lots of things going on. And how do you do that all? And our eldest, Joel, he's five years old. And so that's you know, amazing. It's been a long time, actually. He's, he's, he's five, turning six. And uh, before we had Joel, people would say to me, you know, having kids is like the best thing I've ever done. Oh, that's so great having kids. Uh, You get a lot less sleep, though. In fact, in those early days, they wake you up five times a night. Oh, but it's still still a great thing. It's still a great thing. Oh, but they, they spend a lot of your money for you. And you're pretty much broke financially for months at a time. Um, and they also demand a lot of time and attention. And then, of course, there's the constant noise. And so all these things, they go on and on. And you're thinking, really, how, how is this the best thing? I think every person has thought that, whether you say it or not. You think, how is this so great? I think it's a miracle that there are 8 billion human beings on the face of our earth because those initial stages are tough. They can be very tough. And it raises the question in my heart, how do you cope with life and how do you cope in life in the tough seasons? How do you cope? And not just cope, because I think you and I, we all want to be able to get through the tough seasons, but it's not enough just to get through things. We actually need to thrive and grow and develop in every season, whether it's tough or not. And part of the challenge we face is that when we face something that really pushes us to the limit, the stuff we've done in the past to cope, those tools don't work because it's a new challenge. And so you need new tools. But the problem is you you don't know what those tools are. As an example, you might have had a great coffee group pre-COVID 
And you gather with your friends and you have coffee and you talk about life and you support each other. But suddenly when COVID comes, you can't do coffee group. There's no cafes that are even open and and people don't want to meet. And so isolation becomes a big challenge because your, your tools that did get you past the past obstacles now aren't there. Or maybe for you, social media was a really fun escape during harder times. But then when things really heated up in and around us in our communities, you found that actually social media was a hard place to be because there were a lot of angry people. And people that you love dearly on both sides and this way and that way were all having uh, harsh words to say to each other. And so social media no longer was something that was relaxing or restful for you. Whatever it is, uh, we often face new challenges and the things that we used to do to cope now are no longer available to us. So again, we raise the question, how do you cope and not just cope but thrive during the winter seasons of life? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about this question. In fact, it describes our life in a really encouraging way in John chapter 15, our lives in with Christ and with God in this particular way. It's, it's encouraging in one way, but it's also a little uh, hard to hear in another. It says this, it says that Jesus is like the root of a grapevine. And I don't know if you can picture with me a grapevine, maybe you've got a grapevine at your house or someone else's house, it's got this big solid root to it. And every year there are these branches that grow off and so we are like the branches, supposed to be grafted into the, to the root of this grapevine. And we're like these branches. And so everything that we need to survive comes from that connection between us and Jesus. As soon as that connection starts to fail, we get less nutrients, we get less life, we get less greenery, we get less everything because that connection with Christ is key. But then it also says that God is the gardener. And this gardener, is pretty happy with cutting bits off branches. So that's the not so encouraging bit. The encouraging bit is that we get everything we need from the Lord, but the, but the not so encouraging bit is that God as the gardener is pruning us through difficult seasons so that we might bear more fruit. This is what it says uh, in John 15, verses one and two. Jesus is talking and he's describing this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that produces no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. You know, here's the truth from the passage. God uses hard seasons of life to prune us, to prune us. And the problem we face is that when you're being pruned and and you find yourself in this tough season and things are going around, you don't automatically think, oh, God's at work here. This is a challenge, but God's at work here. What you experience is pain. What you experience is conflict. What you experience is stress, but God's at work. He's working through winter. Sarah and I, uh, this is something I love about Christchurch is that you can grow stone fruit and it doesn't get affected by little bugs. I'm sorry to brag if that sounds like a brag, but I love that about it. It's fantastic. We've got this amazing amazing fruit tree at our house. You can see it up there on the picture uh, on 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 the screens. And it is an amazing peach tree. 
this thing absolutely pumps fruit. Absolutely pumps fruit. In fact, it's so productive that for the last 10 years, it's never once been pruned. In fact, it looks so impressive. You can see the two meter fence line there. So it's stretching up at least five meters high. You might come out over to our house and say, oh, P, what an amazingly tall fruit tree that is. But the problem is, is that it's too tall. It never got pruned. And so as fruit trees do, they bear fruit. This one produces a lot of fruit. And it's only got three main branches. And, and, and this, this year, I estimate that we are well over 100 kilos of fruit off that tree. Because I, I gather some up and I put this in a basket. It was too heavy to even wheel on the driveway. It was, it was very, very heavy. And that was only a portion of it. But the problem that we faced this summer was not that the fruit was too heavy. The problem we faced was that the branches were too long. Now, I don't know if you know anything about uh, physics. I was a physics teacher back in the day. And so the way torque works, um, torque, uh, like on a car and stuff like that, is that um, when you apply a force to something at a particular distance, it produces rotational force. And the, the further that distance away is from the pivot point, the more torque you get. And so the problem with this tree was not that it had too much weight holding it down, but that that weight was too high up in the sky. It was producing too much torque. One day in the last um, couple of months, there was a light breeze blowing. And I look out and I see this next one. One of our main trunks had snapped in half. A, A light breeze was blowing and that was all it took. It was all it took because it hadn't been pruned. I went out there with my saw, and as I was cutting this thing up for the fire, because, um, you know, this, this is all it's useful for, at that point, um, as, I was, uh, as I was cutting it up, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Pete, if you don't let me prune you, if you don't let me prune you as an act of grace over your life, the winds of life will prune you. In other words, something's going something's to get up in your grill. Something, something's going something's to put pressure on you. And so what God does as an act of grace is He gets in our lives and He prunes us before crisis point so that we're able to bear up, so that we're able to be positioned. Like I'm thinking like David Tua, like short, stocky, and man, can he pack a punch, right? Just because you're taller than David Tua doesn't mean you can knock him out. I feel like there's a word for somebody right now. That guy is short, stocky, and he's ready to go. And uh, I don't know if he still is, but that's what God wants to create in our lives. That's why he prunes us, so that we would be able to bear up under the weight of life. But we're in the place and God's pruning our lives. We don't experience it as pruning. We experience it as pain and stress and struggle and conflict with those we love or, or the struggle with isolation. And so if you can relate, and maybe for you, the last few months or the last couple of years have been challenging ones in different ways. And, and I want to share three things that you can do practically to help, you give you, uh, help give you perspective for what God is doing in your life. He's pruning you. He's at work through the winter. He's at work through the tough season. And the first one that you can do is to declare daily the truth of God. To declare daily the truth of God. 
This is what it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, uh, from the message version, it says, his word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. The word of God is a sharp scalpel. It's like a doctor's scalpel that's able to cut through every issue and get to the heart of what's really going on. And the reason why it does that is to bring healing and wholeness and a future, just like a surgeon does with the scalpel. When you declare over your life the truth of what God says and about the situation that you're facing, you're allowing his powerful word to do what it does best, which is to cut down the lies of the devil. You know, like I said earlier, Sarah and I moved to Christchurch and we took on the role of uh, taking an independent congregation under the wider vision of Elam Church and Christchurch. And uh, with any major change in an organization comes difficult conversations. In fact, well, I think we've all had difficult conversations at some point in the last year or two. And, and for me, it was some, even with some heavy conflict. And what I noticed in my own life is the devil would take those opportunities to come and whisper lies into my ear. Lies like, oh, are you sure you're fit for this role? This isn't looking good, Pete. The situation's not looking good. Maybe somebody else might do a better job at what you're doing, Pete. Or you made that decision. Are you sure that was the right decision? You said you were led by God, but really, was it just you? And so all of these lies are just pilfering into my ears day after day after day. And what I did is I went to somebody and he said, Pete, what I want you to do is daily declare the truth of God. Because Sunday is great, but how many of you know the voices also are talking to you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? You know, you've got those voices in your ears every single day of the week, so it doesn't matter what you declare on a Sunday, you've also got to declare it on a Monday and a Tuesday and throughout the whole week. And so this guy said to me, he said, Pete, I want you to go walking, and when you get to a particular mailbox on your walk, you decide there and then to start declaring God's truth over your life. And some days you'll do it and you'll be full of faith and you'll feel it in your emotions and you'll feel and you'll know that the Lord is speaking and working through you. And some days you'll do it and you won't feel anything, but you do it anyway. And you do it anyway. And you might go through times and seasons when you're on top of the world and God's moving powerfully and you're doing it. Even in those seasons, you still need to declare it because how many of you know there's a day coming when you might doubt again. And on those doubting days, you wanna have firmly imprinted on your life the truth that what God says. So if you come to Englefield Road in Belfast at about 20 past six most mornings, you'll see a strange looking man walking down the street declaring this. I say this, I declare over my situation that my identity does not lie in other people's uh, opinion of me, but in Jesus Christ. I declare that something is only ever worth what somebody is prepared to pay for it. And my God, oh my God, He declares over my life that my life is worth what He was prepared to pay. He was prepared to pay the life of His one and only Son so that all who would believe in Him would have hope for eternal more. He was prepared to pay the life of Jesus Christ. 
And I declare that every morning. Some days I feel it, some days I don't. I go on from there, I say, because that's not enough. Not only does my God love me so much to send His Son, but He's also filled me with His Holy Spirit. The very presence of, his, of, of God lives in me. It's bringing life to my mortal body. Not only has He filled me with His Spirit, He's given me spiritual gifts. Come on, somebody. And He's given me a home and a future and a wife that loves Jesus and three beautiful boys who make me tear my hair out, but it's just God working in me again. And so on and on and on, I declare the truth of God. Declare daily. The devil lies daily, so you need to declare truth daily. And maybe you've gone through a tough time and you're saying, Pete, I know in my heart that those things are true, but I just, I'm just not sure I believe them. Really, I'm not sure if my behavior tells me that I fully believe them. Maybe the doubts are getting too much. It could well be that the Lord has led you to this place right now to give you a, a, a fresh revelation that you need to know that you know that you know. Every single day you declare the truth of God. And maybe he's led you to that place so that that would be a pruning experience. We can declare daily. The second thing we can do is to learn and be led. Learn from what God is trying to teach us in that struggle and be led by him through it. Led daily where the Holy Spirit is teaching us to try and uh, to, to trust him deeper. You know, the story of the Israelites leaving slavery in Egypt is a really interesting one. Uh, they, they, they get freed from their oppressors and things are amazing. They get freed and they go out into the desert where the Lord is trying to teach uh, them to trust him, but they don't want to learn. In fact, they consistently try and seize control over their leader back and take it for themselves. I don't know if that sounds relevant for anybody. Probably relevant for your teenagers, but it's relevant for you too. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? It's, it's relevant, right? We're trying to seize control. We're consistently trying to seize control back off God, but God teaches them. And so you might ask yourself, well, why did they have to go into the desert for 40 years? The Bible tells us why. It says this in verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which is like a bread that came down from heaven, fresh each morning, but never lasted longer than a day. It said, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone. That phrase is so powerful. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God will often allow us to go through tough times where we approach rock bottom. And so that we would know that we know that we know that the only thing that is going to get us through is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you might say to yourself, Pete, why, why have I entered this challenging season? It's been so hard the last two years. Or why, why have I entered this moment? Maybe, maybe it's because God wants you to depend more fully on Him than on the bread. You see, the bread represents the resources that we have for ourselves. It might be that you're, uh, so that you need to know that your life is not sustained by your position or your pay scale, but by how, what God says that you are. Your life is not sustained by how much income you have. 
It's easy to depend on our finances for income, but God says you're not sustained by whatever is is dripping into your bank account each week. You're sustained by what I have as God to provide for you. What it means is that true life is not found in an abundance of free time or expensive hobbies. And you might be sitting next to somebody right now who's got a boat or something expensive and you just give them a nudge. You say, it's not not about the boat. It's okay. Uh, Pastor says that... uh, No, I didn't say that, of course not. But uh, true life is not found in an abundance of free time, but an understanding that true peace comes from God and leading and guiding you daily. And so often God will take us to these places where the only response that we have is to submit because we've got nothing else. In those moments, you can choose to be led by the Spirit of God. God prunes those He loves. So if you find yourself in a season of pruning, it means that God loves you and he believes in your potential. Just on that, I'm a gardener and what I want from my peach tree is 30 or 40 more fruitful seasons. We had one fruitful season this year, but if I don't prune that tree, I've only got two more because there are only two more branches left. I've lost one of them already, and there's only two more left. And that means I've only got two more seasons of them at their, at, at their five-meter height. I need to drastically prune that thing down because I know that my plan for that plan is for 30 or 40 more fruitful seasons. When God looks at your life, he, what He sees is not just one fruitful year. What he sees is 40 or 50 or 60 or however many more years you've got in this life. And tell me, I want to tell you, church, retirement is not an option in the kingdom of God. What God has for you is more fruitful seasons. And so he'll prune you. He'll prune you because one average season is worth 30 more great seasons. And so what, this is what you can know as we close this morning. You can know that God is working through the winter. God is working through the winter. I really think that's going to help somebody this morning. God is working through the winter. Because one of the struggles that we have, one of the lies that society and the devil teaches us is and tries to tell us is that growth has to be visible. You go to the gym, it's all about the visible gains, but nobody cares about the muscles on the inside of your body that nobody can see. Maybe you're sitting next to a gym buff, just give him a, give him a shove. It's okay, because we, we love visible growth. We love visible growth. We think that, okay, uh, growth has got to be visible, but in God's way of things, doing things, this is not always true. Growth and progress is not always visible. And in those times when you feel like you've been pushed a few steps back in life, you can know that God is still at work. Our peach tree, like most fruit trees, loses all of its leaves every year. If you come down to our house in even just a month or even a few weeks' time, you'll find that thing looking as dead as a doornail. There's no leaves, no buds, no signs of growth at all. But the promise of winter is that spring is on its way. If I go out there and I cut that thing down simply because it has no leaves, I am sacrificing the next 20 years of positive fruiting. I want, I want to say maybe that's a word for you too. You can know, do not give up. It might feel like winter, but if you cut down the things of God in your life, you will never know the fruit that is going to come in the future. 
I came to tell you today as a congregation to every business, uh, business person trying to make ends meet, to all of the young parents trying to balance the budget and keep the bills paid, whatever your season is looking like, God has not stopped moving for your good. He has not stopped. He's still on the throne. He's still the King of heaven. Come on, somebody. Jesus is still the firstborn over all creation. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the King over His kingdom. He's still building His church and the gates of hell still will not prevail against her. All of those things are true and God is still on the throne. He's still at work. That's why in His Word it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. The Bible says all things, all things, whether good or bad, all things, whether peaceful or conflicted, all things, whether rich or poor, all things, whether you're sick or you're healthy, it's in all things, whether you're in crisis mode or whether you're in stability, God is working in all things. It's all things. God is still at work. And as the team come this morning, I want to prove it to you finally as we close. You know, the last two years have been a challenge for, for everybody. I, don't, I haven't met a single person who's found the last two years easy. So let me ask you a question, or a series of questions that you can answer in your mind. It's not a hands-up situation. Just answer it for me in your mind. How many people here would say that over the last two years, you've learned that you have greater resilience than you thought you had? How many people can see God at work in that area? You know, at the time it felt like pain, but now we're in a position where we can look back and see, I can see that God was working because now I never knew that I had as much resilience as I do. How many people would say that over the last two, year, two years, you've had a revelation of the value of kindness in the community of Whangarei? You, now you know. Before you thought that it was a good idea to be kind, but now you know because you've seen it on the faces of people that you've blessed who are going through something tough and they just so loved because of kindness. How many people have left social media for a season because they finally understand the impact of negative and aggressive words and the power that they can have in our lives and instead of living more online, withdrawn into more loving in-person relationships and now they know, now they've had a revelation of how to truly function that maybe in-person relationships, maybe having one or two close friends is more powerful than having a thousand online ones. We got a revelation of stuff in the last two years because God is still at work in winter. At the time, it didn't feel like He was, but now we know. Now we know because God has given us a revelation. I wanna honor you today. If you've gone through something challenging in the last two years, and I wanna say to you right now that you are better because of it. You're You're a better person. You're more patient. You're more kind. You're more able to deal with the struggles of life. And you're better because of what God did in your life through it. And I wanna tell you that we're all better because you went through that. 
as a community, we're better off because you went through it. I want to particularly honor some people here. Maybe tragedy has taken a loved one away. Maybe there was a, a, a illness, a cancer diagnosis or something that you have walked through over the last ten, uh, two years and you're wondering what was that all about? Well, I want to tell you today that was about demonstrating to the faith community how Jesus works in the hard times. The only way that I know how to get through tough times is by looking at somebody who has walked through tough times. So how did you do it? I just declared God's truth every morning and it felt silly, but I did it anyway. Oh, I just tried to be kind to people. I tried to see people for where they were at. I want to say that now for the rest of our lives, we'll be able to point back to the years 2021 and 2022 and say, that was the years. Those were the years I got a revelation of self-care. Those were the years I got a revelation of patience and kindness for people. That was the year that I learned that it was healthy to take breaks from social media. In other words, what felt like stress, what felt like conflict and pain, what felt like struggle and confusion, what felt like a winter season was God moving through all things for your good, for the good of your children, for the good of your grandchildren who will now be able to look at you and use you as a model of how to get through tough times because of what you persevered through. You say, now I'm a better person for all eternity because He pruned me for a season. And I want to declare to you today, I believe this with all my heart, that the next season of this church, the next season of the community of Whangarei, the next season in your life will be at a fruitfulness that is, uh, that will be a season of fruitfulness at a scale that is unexpected and significant. I speak that out over, over this congregation, over this community, over your life that the next season will be a season of fruitfulness at a, season, uh, at a scale that is unexpected and significant because the people of God allowed the gardener a season of pruning. The Lord prunes those He loves. So as we close this morning, we've been talking a lot about what it means to be led by God, to have God as the person who's in charge of our life. And maybe you're here today because somebody brought you along or maybe you're just listening to the podcast or you're just kind of just came just to check out church and you're thinking, well, Pete, actually, I'm not sure if God is in charge of my life. I've been in charge of my life and it's just ending really badly. I was 15 when the Lord gave me a revelation that because I was leading my life, it was ending in pain. And I needed to submit control of my life to God to lead me and guide me. I've never looked back. Maybe that's you today. You're saying, actually, I need a relationship with God. I'm not sure I do. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 12, to all who received Him. So you're saying, Pete, it's all good for you to talk like that. I mean, you seem like a nice guy. Maybe God just likes nice people. But no, He says to all, to all who received Him, to all who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So as we close this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Him for yourself. With every head bowed and eye closed in this space, I just want to tell you that God loves you. God sees you, sees all that you've gone through. He loves you. 
And we all sin. And the Bible says that that sin separates us from God. God in His grace has made a way for us to come back into relationship with Him. That way was to send His one and only Son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to become one of us and to die on the cross for us. And when He died on that cross, He took off you and He took off me all of the sin and all of the shame and the pain and the brokenness that we were due for our choices. And He took it upon Himself to all who would receive Him would receive forgiveness and hope and a new life. So we're going to pray this prayer. And if that's you, I just want you to pray in your, in, in your heart along with everybody else here. I'm going to say these words out loud and I just want you to pray them in your heart. You pray with me this morning as we say, God, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life and make me brand new today. I choose from this day forward to live for you. And right now in this moment, with every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, either for the very first time or you you know that you need to come back to the Lord, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to pop your hand up nice and high. I'd love to connect with you and pray for you just to to know who we're praying for and even get a Bible into your hands if you need one. If you prayed that for the first time, one, God loves you. Two, He's got so much ahead of you. Three, would you put your hand up this morning? Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you for this moment where we can be reminded that you are a good, good Father. Even though the world around us might be changing and and we've often at times as humans find that very difficult indeed. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done over the last two years in our lives to teach us, to lead us, that we do not live by the fruit of our own labor, but we live by the word that comes from your mouth. Thank you, Jesus, that your plan for every single person here is for good and not for evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz